Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, hey, Tampa Bay, the Bucks have the hottest ticket in town, but will it just burn up in their hands? And the NHL is negotiating a new labor agreement while they map out how to play the Stanley Cup Finals. Baseball players reported yesterday the first workout is tomorrow. And we've got your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get to your mailbag questions, let's uh, talk a little bit of Bucks. I wrote a story uh, that will appear in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. You can read it online at tampabay.com. And, uh, you know, a lot is up in the air, obviously, about all the sports uh, with respect to fans. Uh, and we will have a fan package addressing that on Sunday uh, in our Tampa Bay Times. My uh, portion of it is about the Bucks, And, uh, again, that's online. Look, there's no question that uh, they have the hottest ticket um, in Tampa Bay. And, you know, if not the entire NFL, right? I mean, that, that, that belongs to the Bucks. They know it, too. You don't get Tom Brady and, and trade for Rob Gronkowski uh, without, you know, thinking about just capacity sellouts and, um, you know, waiting lists and things like this. And, and that's truthfully where they were headed until this pandemic hit. And just uh, a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, I think they, they actually stopped selling season passes online or suspended, I should say, selling them. And they're taking, uh, you know, email addresses and information and things like that. Look, this is a team that's finished near the bottom of the league in attendance nine of the past ten years in the bottom four, mostly in the bottom two or three, to be honest with you. And then, you know, COVID-19 hits um, uh, just when they're secured to, to be one of, the, one of the most relevant teams. So, you know, this this is going to be a difficult thing for them, but as a sort of a warning shot, I mean, we know that l- last week the NFL owners approved to tarp out the first six to eight rows uh, in the stadium. And that's, you know, that's an acknowledgement that they don't feel like they're going to be playing with full capacity at least to start the season. And the reason they're doing it um, is to try to make up some of the revenue. It's twofold, actually. One is for safety. They're trying to keep uh, a natural, you know, barrier or separation between the fans and the players to really protect both. Um, you know, some of the stadiums are fairly close to the benches, and that can be an issue. And then the second one is to, I think, increase revenues. They're going to allow advertising for the first time. This has not happened in the NFL where local advertising, because obviously their national sponsors are already pretty much in the building, but local advertising can be um, printed on those tarps, and they'll be visible, obviously, on game day when uh, the camera angles hit and all those things. Now, the question to ask, and it's a logical question, is, okay, what happens if I have one of those seats? Well... Um, it's, it's a work in progress and, uh, you know, you had Brian Ford, the Bucks CEO or COO, I'm sorry, um, issue a letter to the season ticket holders on Friday and it really didn't map out any plans. It just acknowledged that there's been a lot of reports about stadium capacities in this. 
And they just wanted to assure everybody that, you know, they're working with the government agencies, uh, chief among them, the Florida governor's office to decide, you know, sort of what the procedures are going to be for safety first. I mean, that's going to be their, their primary goal. And, um, they're going to, they're going to try to, you know, keep, keep those ticket holders up to date, but they're getting, I'm sure deluge from fans that own those seats in the lower bowl. Uh, I know we're going to get some questions about it too. And so I tried to head some of that off now. Again, a lot of this is just speculation because they don't know, for example, if it's going to be 50% capacity, 25% mm-hmm. capacity. Uh, and then how you do it, Steve? Do you do six across? You know, Can you have six in a row um, and then separate a row? Is it diagonal? Is it horizontal? In other words, there's nobody behind you and in front of you, or is there nobody to the side of you? Or what if you're just four people, and then i got to separate you mm-hmm. six feet from the next two fans? So all that all that's got to be worked out, and it can be worked out, but they don't have a roadmap yet. Well, and the hard part is, is we're only two months away from the you know regular season beginning. But I say that's that right. meaning two months in the terms of COVID and how things change is a lifetime, it is. and that it's going to change many times between now and then. As far as could it be twenty five percent, fifty percent? Are we going to be you know or more than at that? all in certain states? You yeah. know so. The fans who maybe have those seats in the first six or eight rows may be asking, where am I moving to? Well, I would, wouldn't think the Bucks or any other team want to move you yet because they don't know what, what it's going to look like yet. You know, it's, right. it's not as simple as moving you because starting with row nine or ten or whatever it is, assuming that there's going to be fans there may not be full either. So there may be mm-hmm. other fans moving. So it's while it's only two months away, it's still a lifetime in the terms of the way the the news and what we think may happen in terms of the virus and spreading and and social distancing and what we what what is going to be safest for the players and the the, the stadium personnel and the fans um, can change so drastically that you know we're going to talk about the NHL where Vegas was going to be a lock to be the the one of the hub cities and has been for a month now and they're not going to be a hub city and we'll get to that in a minute but. These things keep changing as new data, new new openings happen and things happen that you can't really move the fans yet because you don't know what it's going to look like. Exactly. And and for that reason they're, you know, they're monitoring everything and it can change week to week. We know that even day to day. Um one thing they are doing is they're having negotiations and this is not an easy thing to do. We saw it with baseball. I know they came up with over 100 different do's and don'ts. Um but all the protocols have to be negotiated. Not the least of which in football, you know, with COVID, you know, what happens if a guy has it and is going to miss 14 days? Is he on IR? Is there a special list? What if he goes out and gets it someplace else? You know, does that cover with workman's comp? That sort of thing. Um, but one of the things I think that's going to happen, and I thought it would have been announced by now, it may be by the time this podcast drops, and that is they're going to probably eliminate two of those preseason games. And the idea is, um, first and foremost, there hasn't been any offseason organized anyway other than you know Tom Brady's throwing sessions. And so when those guys get back in the building, they'd like for them to have a little more time, um, you know, first of all, to kind of crawl into a bubble. It is training camp, so they'll be, in a, in, in, you know, they'll be at hotels. They'll be in a semi-bubble during training camp at least for those four weeks. Find out who's positive, that sort of thing. Give them 14 days if they need to quarantine, what have you. Uh, so that there's no game, you know, the first week of, of the preseason, then play two games back to back or attempt to. Uh, the, you know, the, those are generally the games that the starters would play the most anyway. 
and then and then not play the final preseason game so that you have by the time you actually play uh you know a regular season game that first uh, or second weekend i guess in september uh then i think it's the 13th then you would have you know two weeks if somebody tests positive during that preseason period where maybe they'd be available for the start of the regular season so they're going to kind of slow play it a bit and um you know i think i think that's i think that's smart because i think preseason is overrated and you know the least amount of exposure the better well i think slow playing all, all these sports are learning that you can't make decisions today on things that are happening two months from now you can make plans you can be devising things but if we think we know what it's going to look like two months from now we're kidding ourselves because right. you know when sports shut down on March 11th, when Rudy Gobert got diagnosed, it was like, well, this will be a few weeks. And then it was like, well, it'll be in a month. Well, we'll be playing by the end of April. No, now we're you know into July, and we're hoping to play by August on a lot of these sports. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and whether it's hockey or whether it's the NBA or, or baseball, they didn't rush to say this is the way it's going to be. They're, they're making adjustments based on the latest information that they have from experts to dealings with their union and their players and – and local governments and things like that, that it's, it's, it's frustrating at times because you just want to know how are we going to get this done. But at the same time, if you, if you would have made decisions a month ago, two months ago on things, it would look pretty silly by now a lot of time, in a lot of those decisions. So, Yeah, and, and, and you know, look, when, um, I, I think it's safe to say that even if they play with fans, at least initially in the early months, it's going to be limited. Uh, some states may not have them at all. Um, I've heard California is is one of those, and you might think, well, that's going to have an, an you know uh, not an equal playing field, literally, uh, for some teams. But there's there's not much the NFL can do about that. They can't relocate teams necessarily. So, and I don't think they want to turn down fans and money in areas they can just because that's, certain areas. That's can. right. That's right. They're, they're, yeah, it's too much money to to turn away from altogether. So I, I think it'll be, you know, based on what the CDC or, or those state and local government agencies say they can do. Uh, we know that Governor DeSantis uh, has invited sports to this to this state, would like to see as many people, um, you know, as possible in the stands. That may change with what's going on uh, with COVID right now. And we again, there's there's plenty of time. I think it's safe to say this, that if you have a season ticket, um, let's say you're in the lower bowl and you're concerned um, they're going to try to, they're going to try to place you. It, it, it might be, <clears throat> you may upgrade, you know, the, the question is, do you stay in the same general area? Like if you're at the 10 yard line, are you still going to be around the 10 yard line and, and try to fill in? Um, or are you going to move to, you know, the West club area, you know, mm-hmm. which might be a little better seat, but they, they may be able to block off seats for relocating some fans in there. Cause they're not all sold out. And, you know, <clears throat> one day it may be rows a through, a through F, you know, and then the next the next week uh, maybe they take you know G through whatever. I don't think that I would necessarily bank on going to every game. I don't. I I think it's possible, you know, if you're if you're a season pass holder, regardless of where you're sitting, that if there's separation needs to happen in in, in throughout the whole stadium, there's a chance that you may have to sit one or two games out. You know, that might be mm-hmm. a rotational, but they they, they obviously want to make it as fair and as equitable as possible uh, for their season pass holders. And then you ask, well, you know, what are they looking at? Well, I mean, I think one thing you would look at is loyalty. I mean, this this franchise hasn't had much to sell for about 12 or 14 years. 
uh, and there's some fans that have stuck with them even longer than that. So you, you definitely want to reward your most loyal customers. That mean they're going to all the games. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to get as many fans to as many games as possible. I think that that will be their goal as they kind of navigate, yep. you know, what limited seating they'll have. And you may have some fans that say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable this year going, and I don't, I, you exactly. know, I want to remain a season ticket holder, but I, I don't want to go this year, which will open up more opportunities for other ticket holders. So, that's a know, great point. That, that's the part they just don't know yet is you may have particularly some older season ticket holders that just say, you know what, I'm not comfortable being out in 25%, 50%. Um, I want to remain a season ticket. And I would imagine the Bucks will just you know carry that over to the next year and be able to use those tickets for someone else um, in these times. I would imagine that's how that will work. Yeah, and I, I think the NFL policy is essentially that. Um, I know New England's doing a similar thing, um, and I imagine everybody will follow suit. But if you're – compromise from a health help standpoint age um say you have asthma whatever uh you know they they will uh, try to try to honor your season ticket you know for 2021 uh refund your money at least for this year or if you've purchased them for this year only for example and you don't want to go um they'd be happy to refund you i'm not happy but they would be willing to refund your money in that instance so there's a lot of business transactions that are going to be done can you imagine if they allow secondary markets and there's say only 25 or 30,000 people in that stadium at Raymond James for Tom Brady's home opener. I mean, what would those <laughs> tickets go for? Holy moly. Um, it's going to be a hot one for sure, but uh, you know, it's unfortunate. The timing is bad. Nothing anybody could do about it, but uh, I would just say, hold on and, and follow the news. And at some point the bucks will be in touch. If you are a season pass holder there, they may also, you know, the other thing is, like, if I don't have a season pass, and, and I don't have the answer to this, but what if you just want to go to one game? You know, single game tickets, they were holding back a lot of seats for that because, obviously, they could maximize revenues. You know, you have the variable pricing, even mm-hmm. for the bucks. And so when Kansas City comes, say, that, that ticket's going to be a lot worth a lot more than maybe when Carolina is here. So, you know, they, they, may, they may try to maximize some profits that way with single game tickets. I just don't know how this is going to work out. I do have a question on the football protocols. I mean, we've talked about baseball yeah. having to go mm-hmm. to the stadium in their uniforms, you know, Lincoln Ball style. If, if Wouldn't football, it be cool if the yeah. <laughs> if, that. Well, if football teams are traveling the day of the game to the stadium, say they're going yeah. to Atlanta or New Orleans, do they have to wear their uniforms on the plane? <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know I'd, that. I'd make you that separating what? in the plane and make it a little harder with those pads on and such. Yeah, you you need a bigger plane. I think I think we're gonna need a bigger boat. Um, yeah, I, you, you couldn't wear the pads. You'd have to carry those underneath the where the luggage is okay. or above or above the compartment. But I haven't thought about that. I mean, I think here's what I think. I think as Peter King would say, I think they'd be okay. You know, the locker rooms are supposed to, and this is mm-hmm. almost impossible to do with ninety players. But the lo- and for that reason, I think they'll have fewer for training camp. But the locker rooms are the lockers are supposed to be spaced about six feet apart inside. I mean, if they keep the spacing, um, and you and you you know you arrive in Atlanta, say, but is the visiting uh, for, locker room that big too? I mean, it's spaced out? Not always, not always. No, yeah. I mean, no. they usually can they usually can hold you know the fifty three man roster, sure. but sure. a lot of times they're not as they're obviously not as big. I mean, you remember the old Bucks locker room? That's the visitors visitors locker room now in Raymond mm-hmm. James, and mm-hmm. that thing was cramped as hell. You could barely get. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't, I mean, you're bumping into guys on the way to the shower, unfortunately, but it was really, it was really too crowded. They built a new locker room and it's not, you know, it's, it's spacious. I mean, they can spread out a little bit in there, but yeah, the visiting team couldn't do it. 
So that's a great question. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. They may have to. I mean, that'd be a hell of a flight, right, when you're wearing your, your football pants at least. And, I mean, the pads, I think, and the helmet you don't have to have on. But, okay. hey, anything's possible these days. I mean, it's a brave new world. And that's going to be, you know, and again, you get guys out of their routine. I know baseball's got a lot of things that they do that are going to be difficult, like not spitting and such and chewing seeds and sunflower and, and tobacco and stuff. Um, for football players – you know, they're creatures of habit too. And it's going to be a little like youth league or high school, you know, when you get on a bus with your uniform pants and your t-shirt and carry all the other stuff in, uh, that's very possible, I suppose. But I, I think it's smart in, in the terms of, you know, if you can travel the same day and be relatively assured that if you have a, a plain mechanical function, they can get you another one and get you to the game on time. Um, that, you know, I mean, Atlanta's Atlanta's an hour away, right? You get there, you hop on a bus, so you leave at let's say if it's a, if it's a one o'clock game, that might be difficult. But if it was one o'clock game, let's say you leave at eight, land at nine, get to the stadium by ten or ten thirty. That's about what you would normally do coming out of the hotel, you know, that that first or second bus. So um, not that much different, really, uh, other than you're sleeping in your own bed. Which guys will well, they, they'll be in, they'll probably be in a hotel to be honest with you in Tampa quarantined or locked down the night before so they can get on that plane they're not gonna wait for guys to drive from their houses but um it's another day in tampa and and um i can see them doing that and it, it keeps you out of the hotel business it keeps you from going into an area where you know hotel employees people cleaning your rooms no, but um, if you're gonna quarantine you know, in your home home market at a hotel the night before it's the same thing right it is the same i suppose except that couldn't you have well you'd be preseason you could do it i don't think you do it in the regular season they usually use yeah they usually use specific hotels for preseason i don't i don't know that you could you could keep up there's just no way to keep a bubble i mean you either have a bubble or you don't and the nfl mm-hmm. is not going to so these guys are going to have to be tested i'm sure they'll be tested before game day now that's the other question i have as we get deep into the weeds here a little bit is you know the nature of football players what is it hey can you go man can you go can you go can you make it can you go mm-hmm. um and, and there's a little bit of an honor system here uh, in terms of that. But let's say, you know, your last COVID test is on, I don't know, Thursday. And you're clear for game day. And then come Saturday evening, Sunday morning, before you get on the plane, you're, you know, maybe they temperature check these guys, but maybe you get a little sniffles or your stomach's upset. And you might You might have a sign. Are you really going to... You know, if it's Tom Brady, <laughs> I need you, big guy. We're playing so and so, playing Kansas City. We're playing whoever, playing New Orleans. I don't know. I mean, how how you know how on top of of reporting COVID like signs and quarantining are they going to be if a guy you know? And that's the thing. There's so many symptoms to this virus, and everybody reacts differently to it. That. You know how how close will the test be to game day? In other words, when are you actually cleared to play? Um, I think it will depend on guy, how quick they can get testing back. Exactly, uh, but but assuming at that time it's a, there's a reasonable, let's say there's a reasonably accurate test for saliva or blood that you can get back instantaneously or within a couple of minutes. Is that one that you would do on game day? Um, if you had, you know, are guys going to be sort of like? 
yeah, I, I think I need to go. And then, you know, and then after this game, when I get this game behind me, then I'll go into protocol. I mean, that's, I would think you'd have those to are do all it. Tough things. You'd have to do it before you got on the plane to go to the city you're going to, because the last thing you want to do is get the results back in Atlanta. And then and how do you quarantine on the way on the back? Team. Well, how do you quarantine well, that, on the way back too? Well, that's it. Then you're stuck in a city for 14 days. You're exactly right. Yeah. So they're going to have to do it. I suppose the day of the morning of before they travel, that sort of thing. But I don't know. I just know the nature of football, and guys don't self-report, so they better have good diagnostics because and, – and then you think about the team, right, and the pressure to win and all those things. And I don't know. It's, it's a complicated issue. It's one that, um, you know, baseball and, and the NBA and hockey will deal with first. Speaking of hockey, so do we have our team or our cities yet where they're going to play this tournament? Not official, but uh, TSN, Sportsnet, both reporting that Toronto and Edmonton will be the two hub cities. The Eastern Conference will go to Toronto, which is where the Lightning will play. And the Western Conference teams will go to Edmonton. So two Canadian cities, which as we record this and the news is coming out, it's Canada Day. So uh, Canada's (laughs) thrilled, eh? Yay. And uh, Yeah, so Vegas, who had been the front runner and pretty much considered a lock for probably longer than a month now uh, based on their setup there is uh, sounds like they're out. Um, it's down to four teams right now. It's the two Canadians, Vegas and Chicago as LA has been eliminated. But um, the surges in, in Vegas, I think just if nothing else, I don't know if the players are comfortable seeing that they can keep a bubble there from, you know, employees at the casino, they would have their own hotel and stuff to themselves, but you've got the employees that are, you know, helping right. with food or running, you know, the tables if you're gambling or doing whatever, um, you know, how much confidence and, and how secure do you think you are there? So it uh, certainly sounds like uh, Toronto and Edmonton, nothing official yet, but pretty much all the hockey reporters are reporting that. So and, you know, in the NHL's, you know, the, the covid virus is not spreading as much up there and it's cheaper to run things in Canada because the Canadian dollar is, you know, 70 some cents on the dollar to the U.S. dollar. So. In, in a time when you're losing some money and not making as much, it can be cheaper to put things on in Canada. So that works too. Well, they can't win a cup in Canada. They might as well host it, right? I mean, is that, is that what we're thinking? Yeah, well, they haven't won a All cup the- since 93, 94. The Canadians were the last ones to win it. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It's remarkable. But, um, but well, the we'll hockey's see- also negotiating a new CBA at the same time. And so that's what some of this holdup is, is they're, they're negotiating phase three and four return to play protocols with the Players Association. But they're also creating a new CBA or modified CBA that will be extended for four or five more years. Uh, it's, going to, it's including things like um, the owners, they're going to defer some salaries this year for players to help owners with a cash flow problem. So some of your salary will be deferred and you'll be paid later. Um, because the owners aren't bringing in as much money, so there's a cash flow problem in some of these teams as far as just how much cash on hand to pay people, not that you don't have it coming at some point. Um, there's going to be things like the, the players put money into an escrow because it's a 50-50 split on revenues. Players, every paycheck, a percentage of that goes into escrow so that at the end of the year, if the revenues don't match up to where you thought they were going to be, then the players have to pay some of that money back to the owners. Um, if, if it's a really good year, then the players get more of the money. But So they put this escrow. So there's a limit on escrow growing forward. The salary cap's going to remain flat for a few years. Um, and there's a few other in- intricacies like that. But the other thing is the players are back in the Olympics, it sounds like, in 2022 and 2026. Really? That, that was wow. a big thing for the players, and, and the owners have agreed that they will be allowed to go to the, the Olympics again. They missed it in 2018. 
Um, the league would not let them leave and shut down for three weeks in the middle of a season for that. So, But it sounds like that's back on the table, and the players will be back in the Olympics in 2022. Well, it's quite an interruption, but uh, let me ask you this, because we know if they're successful uh, uh, extending the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, then when will this, the 21-22 season begin? My guess, well, I, it may depend on when they start this year. I mean, right now, phase three, which is the training camp for two weeks, is expected or has been tentatively scheduled for July 10th, which is next Friday. Um, with the new CBA and all this, all the, the players have to fully vote on this. So, you know, the players, so that's going to take a few days to do that. So I'm guessing, and this is purely a guess, and Chris Johnson of TSN has said this too, that that Jan- July 10th date may get pushed back to July 13th. July 15th. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the games may not start till early August now instead of maybe July 31st in that. So, which would still leave your Stanley Cup awarding probably mid uh, mid October. Maybe, you know, October 10th, 15th, maybe even to the 20th. You got the draft and free agency at that point. My guess is they'll start next season January 1st with the Winter Classic. It'd be a very mm. short off season, but um, that's just my guess and I think the NBA starts Christmas Day which is always a big mm-hmm. ratings day for them and, and, and such, and they've kind of owned that day for years now. Um, right. that, that's, and that's purely just a, a speculated guess on my part. But, you know, I, I don't think – if you're not warning a Stanley Cup till mid-October, you're not going to start the season, I don't think, until late December at the earliest. So why not just make the Winter Classic your start of the season at that point for next year? Makes sense. In the NBA, I've always thought that, that no one pays attention to them until Christmas anyway. They probably should just continue to make that this, the start of their season, if you ask me. I've but. said that for years. We're start at Christmas and the playoffs around right before Labor Day when the NFL takes over. And yeah. have a, you, your television ratings would love it and your interest in the sport would grow. Absolutely. You don't need the overlap. Uh, and then, of course, baseball players uh, reported uh, yesterday, and we're going to start to filter out you know, who – I guess baseball, one thing is interesting, and I'm curious about the NFL on this, although it should become obvious, is that baseball is not going to quote-unquote announce who has COVID. That's not going to be well, – they're not going to identify players. They're not, but when a player all of a sudden misses two weeks, it kind of becomes obvious, doesn't it? I mean, unless... I think. Unless he has an arm problem or yeah, he's sent I mean, to a doctor. If they don't tell you where he is, you know he has COVID. That's true. If you don't, yeah, you don't, right. yeah. Well, you could assume Cause, that, Because they typically, well, they typically say if a guy had, you know, well, he's gone to see, you know, Dr. Um, well, p- perhaps know, they're going to be less forthcoming with all medical information going forward. Oh, uh, maybe. Maybe. I know the NFL won't. <laughs> I mean, the NFL. It's too much money it's on so the driven by Oh, it's, it's so driven by gambling that, that, you know, Las Vegas will insist to know. You know, they might have to be a special category for it, but they're going to want to know what the status of all their players are if they're injured or gone. I mean, you'll be out, and I guess, you know, you'd have to list them as something, but, you know, what is their status? Are they out because they're injured? Are they out Mm -hmm. because they're out for 14 days? I mean, it's going to have to be some designation. A lot of guys are going to get this. And we didn't mention, but officially, uh, minor league baseball has been canceled for this season. I know. It's terrible. Which, you know, we we all knew that was happening. But, you know, to get the official word and and all those minor league teams and organizations and, you know, officially are not going to have seasons as the major leagues are not going to be giving them players to to basically staff their teams or create a team. So uh, it's a shame and you feel bad for all those organizations and that. But and baseball is in the process of trying to reduce the number of minor league teams as it is. So that's all part of this uh, ongoing struggle, too. So a lot of them are going to go out of business. 
and they won't be coming back. And it's, it's, you know, this is collateral damage to careers in some respects too, because, you know, every year is precious as you climb, try to climb the ladder to the major leagues. You got to, you got a season. If you're not, you know, part of that group working out, say in Port Charlotte, um, you're going to go a year without, without playing competitively unless you, you know, go to the islands or something and find a place to play in, in, uh, Central America. But, um, you know, for somebody that's, you know, maybe, maybe you were close and not close enough, but you're also 25 or 26, you know what I mean? Like the, the time does mm-hmm. not stop. And so it, it's tragic. It's going to be awful. And, and you can, you can, you know, follow that all the way down to the draft. I mean, they only had five rounds of the draft this year, you know? So a lot of guys weren't drafted that typically would have been, had they had their, their full allotment, but they had no place to send these guys once they signed them. And, you know, that, that's all part of it. And an, an awful lot of them went to college that I know that would have been drafted for that very reason. And then college has its own issues as well. So it's going to get backed up. It's kind of a mess, but we're going to, we're going to get through it. We're going to navigate this for sure. And, um, ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better. Well, hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In the meantime, we've got uh, a couple of mailbag questions we can try to tackle here. Yeah, we do. We'll start with uh, Kyle, who says, of the three main Bay Area teams, which do you think has the potential to have the best year? What about the one that could be the biggest disappointment? Well, it's a great question. I I would say that the Bucks are probably poised to have, by comparison of what they've done in the past, the best year. I mean, you don't get Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and the guys they have coming back on offense and an improved defense without having high, high expectations. And there's going to be, you know, a couple extra playoff teams this year. So that will, that will at least on the surface seem like, you know, with Brady, if they get into the tournament, particularly if they win the division, but if they get in a tournament that they would have a legit chance of being a Super Bowl contender. Um, disappointment. I mean, those other sports, you know, baseball, it's a 60 game season. Would you be disappointed if the Rays, you know, ultimately didn't make the postseason or or go deep? Yeah. Would it be shocking? No. I mean, we nobody knows how this is going to play out uh, in such a sprint. And we've talked about how the Rays, really, their strength is is depth, and that may play that may play into this as well. It might actually be a strength in in a short season as it would a long one. Um, I would think the Lightning, though. Steve, they haven't been together either, but somebody's going to win this Stanley Cup, right? Some some mm-hmm. some team's going to go and, and win it. And, I mean, we're just not that many months removed, and we're a year removed from that, you know, President's Cup and the collapse in Columbus. Um, it's still a really good hockey team. They have the same opportunity as anybody else does. And, you know, could you excuse them? Well, they, you know, they – they were playing well, and then they then they had the COVID. And but you know what? Everybody else does too. And and if you have a good mm-hmm. team going out, you should have a good team coming back. And in fact, a better team because Steven Stamkos wouldn't be able to play in those early rounds. So 
if for some reason the Lightning flame out early, I think they have the potential to be the biggest disappointment. Well, I, I absolutely. I think they're. I mean, they have the potential to have the best year. I mean, I, I think yes. if you looked going into the season and if you looked going into the playoffs, and now that mm-hmm. pretty much every team has everybody healthy. I mean, the Lightning had issues with Ryan McDonough and Ron U, uh, Jan Ruda were hurt late in the season. They weren't right. playing down the stretch, and Steven Samkos was going to miss at least a round of the playoffs, if not two. That. You know, in the in the hockey playoffs, there's always injuries, and it's a war of attrition a lot of times. That's right. With everyone going in healthy, I, I, what roster you're going to put up against the Lightning, and are you're going to say is better? Yeah, that's true. I mean, there there are teams that you know are are very good and can are, you know comparable to the Lightning, but there's nobody you sit there and go on paper they're better than the Lightning. No, I think the Bruins would be the only other team. The Bruins, that I, would I think say the Blues are, are really good in the Blue, West. I think yeah. Vegas is really good. I mean, you know, there's teams that are in, in that Lightning's Comparable. class. Yeah, they're in the Lightning's yes. class. But there's no one you sit there and you go, that team's better. Well, I mean, no. You no. look on paper and you could say the Yankees or the Dodgers are better than the Rays. Sure. Just sure. purely on paper. Now, the way the Rays do things and the way they utilize people and, and, and deal with the season and, and adversity and this, that, and the other, they manage that better than anybody. But if you're just looking roster for roster, you could. There's a lot of teams in the NFL. You could say have a better roster than the Bucks. I think the Bucks mm-hmm. are, are good, and I think Brady Absolutely. makes them a lot better. But I, I you Kansas know, Kansas City's you, better. Kansas yeah. City, New Orleans, I would say, still has a better roster in the division. They have more talent. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. But the Lightning, when you look at rosters, and they're going to be 100 percent healthy to, as they start up working out. Now, you know, we'll see what happens as they skate and play. Yeah, yeah. But they have the chance. I mean, you know, just like last season where they were the favorites going in. They're, if not the favorite, one of the favorites going into the Stanley Cup finals or the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. So, you know, they have the potential to be the best year, but, you know, a first round exit again, and that would be a big disappointment. It really would, especially on the heels of last year and, and, and the way they played this year. So, yeah, I think I think that's, you know, I think the Bucks have a really good opportunity. You're right. The Lightning have a, a, a very, very good opportunity because they're so talented, but also that means a bigger margin of uh, of collapse if, in fact, they don't advance. I mean, so. I, I think, you know, not to make excuses, but one of the things last season, and, and sometimes it can be as simple as this, is if Victor Hedman doesn't have that concussion a week prior to the playoffs mm-hmm. last season, right? and he played the first two playoff games, didn't look like himself, and then didn't play mm-hmm. games three and four against Columbus, if he's healthy, I think that series goes very differently. Maybe they still lose, but I don't think they get swept. I don't think he gets undressed in game one which led to Columbus's comeback. Because if you remember, the Lightning were up big in that game one. And they were up three to yep. one, I believe, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. You know, he doesn't get undressed in, in that because he just he didn't look himself. And, and, he won you know, himself, yeah. Edmund may be the best defenseman in the world. If not, he's definitely top five. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have him. You know, this season you've got a full healthy roster at this point. So, you know, there's no excuses now. I mean, yeah, the restart, but everybody's dealing with the same thing. So I think, you know, the Lightning – right have the potential for the best season and the biggest disappointment. But all three teams yeah, are capable of, of going deep in the playoffs. At the, you know, when you wow, have Tom Brady, you're, you're capable of going to the Super Bowl. The Rays mm-hmm. with 97 wins last season and a short sprint where they can you know, use some of their tricks and tools and, and their roster, the flexibility of such, especially as pitchers aren't stretched out in that, they have a, a legit shot to go deep too. So, I mean, all three teams have a shot at it. I mean, you got to go back, you know, at least 12 years, maybe 13, when you felt good about even, you know, the Bucks and anybody else, you know, in the Rays, mm-hmm. you know, they went to the World Series in 08. They were semi-consistent playoff contenders every year after that. Um, the Bucks missed the playoffs in 08, although they started 9-3. and three. Um, You know, but after that, they, they, they've really never been relevant. Uh, and so, 
I think this would this would have been and still could potentially be, even though the abbreviated seasons. But all three, I, it's been a long time since all three professional sports teams in Tampa Bay, uh, and I guess you can include the Rowdies if you want to go four, have been contenders the way they are now. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's this should be the a fun time, and it's, it's a restart, and possibly all of them will be playing at the same time. It could be a lot of fun for Tampa Bay. Fans. God, it'd be crazy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Kathy asked. You talked about how the Glazers go after big names and that they'd likely do that when Arian leaves. Do you think they'll give Leftwich a shot? Arian seems to hold him in high regard. Well, I, I think that uh, there's a good chance one of those assistant coaches, and, and I, would, I would probably start the list with, with Leftwich. I know, you know Todd Bowles is, is probably going to be coveted again, particularly if, if, uh, you know, if they turn this thing around. He'll get a lot of credit for it. But he's been a head coach, and it didn't go all that well with the New York Jets. So, you know, Leftwich is poised to be a rising star in this league. First and foremost, he's an offensive coach. Seems to be, you know, what, what most owners like look for um, is somebody that can, you know, if you've had a firing, that means something didn't go well, probably with the quarterback or you don't have a quarterback. But um, very often those, the, that's the side of the ball that, that people are looking for. And, you know, Byron is a former player. Um, he's going to have a high-profile job this year, man. I mean, you know, didn't hurt Josh McDaniels to be standing next to Tom Brady all those years. He got his shot in Denver. He's had could have had his shot in Indianapolis, but, you know, was the runaway bride there. Um, so that that's going to help him. And I I would bank I would bank on Byron, you know, uh, as being the next. Now, you know, that's going to be the decision, right? Let's Let's say – Say the Bucks go deep, maybe win a Super Bowl, or perhaps they get to a Super Bowl and don't win it. Um, and Byron Leftwich is the hot, hot commodity. And so now you got a sixty-eight, going to be sixty-eight-year-old Bruce Arians with one more year and an option on his contract. Do they make Byron Leftwich the head coach in waiting? Do they do something to keep him from going someplace else, or uh, do they wish him well, let him go, and then you know next man up, whoever that might be? So. You know, but, uh, I know Bruce has, you know, like with Todd Bowles, if Todd Bowles were to leave, he thinks Larry Foote is a rising star as a defensive coordinator. He's a linebacker's coach right now. So, you know, there's there's guys in the pipeline on their staff. That's why he has such a large staff. But uh, you just wonder, you know, and that's that's frankly what happened with Dirk Cutter, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't a great decision, as it turned out, but Dirk Cutter was getting uh, an interview with the San Francisco 49ers who really liked him after Jim Tosula flamed out after one season. And, you know, the Bucks had Lovey Smith. They, they weren't sure he could get it done. And then rather than, you know, lose Cutter, um, they decided to make him the head coach. All right, we'll wrap up on this one. And I saw you had uh, a lot of Twitter action on this question or, or someone posed. Your mom is a Bucks fan asked, will Tom Brady send it deep like Jameis Winston did last year with Mike Evans and such? Wait a minute, your mama is that? Was that was your mama? Did you, your mama's a Bucks fan? Mama jokes. That's who sent the question in. So, <laughs> your mom is a Bucks fan. My mom, I think, is a Bucks fan. She's watched them a long time. Yeah, I, I tackled this one a little bit on Twitter. Um, at, you know, at NFL Stroud, if you want to look. But there's perception and there's reality, and, and the perception is that Jameis Winston, you know, has a far better arm, and therefore better suited for Bruce Arians offense and um you know it was bombs away with with Jameis but it's it's bound to be more dink and dunk with Tom not so fast my friend 
Uh, if you look at the numbers, they're incredibly similar. Check your sheet. Uh, check your sheet. That's right. I'm one of the best, bar none. And that's Tom Brady. We checked his sheet. He's got six rings. Um, to be honest with you, they're, they're damn. Uh, they're, they're absolutely Id- identical in in some ways. Now, you know the Bucks. First of all, they they led the league last year. I don't have the number in front of me, but they led the league last year in completions, pass plays completed of twenty yards or more. They were number one. Where was Tom Brady with all those guys that couldn't get separation? Right, all those guys that he struggled uh, trying to get deep and get get behind the defense. Ah, yeah, they were fourth, which isn't that big of a damn deal, right? And, again, if you talk to Clyde Christensen guys that have gone back and watched Brady for the last four years on tape, they, they don't see a, a big appreciable um, downturn in his arm strength. So it's not about arm strength. He can still get it. Now, does he have the arm that Winston has? No. But then you say, well, then what about 20-yard downfield throws uh, into tight windows, okay, the ones you got to kind of hum? Well, here are the numbers. Last year in 2019 – these are tight window throws, 20 yards down the field. Brady, 11 of 27. Winston, 11 of 27. That's 41% for both. NFL ranking, yeah, they tied for first. <laughs> so, I mean, they had exactly the identical numbers in, in tight throws down the field. So, you know, again, I think Tom Brady can make all the throws. I think that he manages the game better because he wins games, right? I mean, a lot of this stuff is, you know, it's, you know, they've always said you, you, you always look deep. You want to, you know, if the shot is there, you take it. No risk it, no biscuit. But the other part that, you know, that they say is, you know, the check down's money in the bank. Well, Tom has played enough football that he's going to throw it to the open guy. He will take his shots if he thinks he can hit them. And depending on the situation in the game, but he's also going to protect the football. He's he's not, you know. It's one thing to say, "I look at my arm. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it deep every play." Maybe that's not the best thing to do, especially when you wind up at the end of the season and you've got 30 interceptions and 112 points off turnovers. So Brady Brady's ability to protect the ball, find the open guy, utilize his running backs, his tight ends, and then oh yeah, he can still drive it when he wants to or has to or gets the right matchup with a guy like Mike Evans. The other thing, he's never played with a with a uh a wide receiver I think over 6-4. And now he's got a couple guys that are 6-5. So uh or throwing a touchdown pass to one. I think he's played with them. I hadn't thrown a touchdown pass to one. So yeah, Tom Brady's a, is a kid in the candy store right now, you know? I mean, he he you don't I don't think you have to worry about TB12. I think you have to protect them, but even even then he he's got such great recognition that if somebody wins clean off the line of scrimmage, that ball's going into the seats. There's nothing to fear with TB12. No, 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 but fear itself, <laughs> as you know. Uh, thank you, Teddy Roosevelt, or actually Franklin D. Roosevelt. Ted, not Teddy Roosevelt. That was way before that. So anyway, thanks for your questions, though. We had some good ones for sure. Uh, had a great week. Tom Jones, Tom Jones uh, will be back, back tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. You can believe that. We're going to do something fun tomorrow. We're going to talk about some road trips, uh, the ones that we can actually talk about, because <laughs> most of them we can't. Um, but, uh, the, the two of us have been around the world a little bit together and, and separately and, uh, you know, with players going on the road and not being able to do anything, um, we'll give you some of our stories and some of the, some of the great places we we've had the opportunity to go. And, uh, it's been, it's been fun. It's been a, uh, a great perk of the career. Um, and uh, I think you enjoy that. So that'll, that'll be a good thing. 
Also, uh, folks, as you go into this July 4th uh, weekend here and begin celebrating, look, it's a time to, you know, to to have fun and, and uh, but be careful, you know, in the number of groups that you're around. I know it's hot as hell out there, but, uh, you know, when you're when you're in a group, particularly that you can't separate um, and you're, you're indoors or whatever, try to wear a mask and we want football. We want sports. That's probably the best way. Uh, to help you get it if you care about it at all and why would you be listening to this podcast if you don't and um and and be careful with the fireworks and things too um jason pierre paul can remind you of that very seriously and has uh almost every fourth of july since his accident and and stay safe you know have a good safe weekend and we'll see you back here on monday for steve bursting i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great weekend everybody 